Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we will be continuing our greatest goal scorers review, but before then, we do have a couple of free agent signings and extensions to deal with, and one that actually deals with a return of a Winnipeg slightly fan favorite for at least a few of us Twitter users. After a brief absence away from the Jets, Marco Duneau is now back on a one-year two-way deal for about $700,000, and when it comes to fortifying your depth and essentially giving both the Moose and potentially the Jets a really nice, versatile two-way forward in Marco Deneau. I feel like this is just a win-win for both sides. Deneau is a hard guy to dislike. I mean, he's always very hardworking. He's industrious. He wears a smile. He seems like a very personable guy, and he's also actually pretty good at his job on the ice. He's not exactly what he was once projected to be, which was like a, a pretty decent two-way top six forward. Nowadays, he's more like a uh, a third-line space creator and four-checker with some defensive prowess, but, you know, Deneau, I think, still plays a really nice role, and if he goes to the Moose, he'll be part of an excellent top six there. I wouldn't mind him getting some time with Winnipeg, though, because I feel like Deneau still has enough in the tank to probably anchor a spot over somebody like Nate Thompson. The Jets often sign a lot of, like, kind of mediocre bottom six players or guys who are maybe at replacement level or below replacement level. I think Deneau is probably a little bit above replacement level. I don't expect him to be a really high-end attacking forward, but as far as bringing in somebody who's comfortable with the Jets, who understands the systems pretty well and has certainly worked with Winnipeg's Moose and Jets coaching staffs, Deneau is somebody who is already familiar with all of these things. He won't take much to get back into the flow of things. And he's on an extremely cheap contract. I think that for all parties involved, I think Deneau coming back to Winnipeg makes a lot of sense. It's a cheap deal. And Winnipeg gets a little bit more injury insurance. It'd be nice if Deneau can maybe stick around for more than one season, but obviously the term on the deal and the price probably means it's not a particularly long-term marriage, which is fine. I mean, Deneau will probably find a spot somewhere else if he doesn't stick with the Jets. But I do hope you know, for my own personal satisfaction, that Deneau actually hangs around this time. I've always been a fan of the energetic but gifted style of play that he has. I I think that he possesses pretty decent edge work. He is on the smaller side, but he's got a very feisty personality. He's got pretty good hands and vision, and I think that the way that he plays fits the modern NHL pretty well. So hopefully Deneau carves out a role, and we'll see if he's actually able to hang around with the Jets for a little bit this year. From the New York Islanders, we have a much bigger contract extension, and that is Ryan Pollock signing for two years at $10 million, which is $5 million per season. And this deal is not particularly great for the Islanders because, obviously, I think that they should have been looking to lock him up longer term. But what's kind of puzzling about this whole deal is this is going to take him to free agency, UFA free agency specifically, and so I don't really know if this is exactly the status that you want to have somebody like Pollock entering. I know that the cap situation for the Islanders is probably a little bit tighter than some of the other teams around the league, but obviously the Islanders kind of need to be in win-now mode, so maybe Pollock signing for just two seasons is their way of trying to at least figure out a short-term lockup plan with him until they can figure out a longer-term contract. I think the biggest concern for them is the next time he signs a new deal, he's going to be asking for huge money. After letting Devin Tate go for basically nothing. I I really don't understand what exactly this whole contract situation is going to look like because, you know, Taves was going to be a pretty value budget signing, I would say, and then Pollock signing for just a couple of seasons doesn't really leave the Islanders with a whole lot of freedom to move about the cabin when it comes to their back line. 
they just don't have a whole lot of defensive coverage as is. And I feel like moving Taves, not having Pollock signing for a long-term deal, it, it leaves too much of their young defensive unit in a little bit of flux. I think Mayfield may or may not be on a decently term deal, and they've also got Sebastian Ajo in the minors, but beyond that, they don't really have a whole lot of young D-depth that I would say is is probably ready to eat lots of minutes. Pollock is probably not a guy that you can afford to really let walk to free agency without at least an understanding of a contract extension or figuring out if he needs to be traded. Either way, not a particularly great spot for the Islanders to be in. I think they have a lot of situations long-term that maybe aren't super ideal. Obviously, this team... I wouldn't say super overperformed, but by the same token, likely is going to have a hard time repeating their playoff success going forward just because I think that their roster is only going to get a little bit weaker as time goes on until some of the young talent starts filtering in. And some of their top players don't have as much time to be in prime form as some of the younger prospects and stuff. So obviously the Islanders really need to figure out what exactly their long-term core looks like and if Pulak is part of that or not. Their team roster construction is kind of up in the air in my opinion and I don't really know how you fix it because unless you start winning some draft lottos or whatnot, the long-term picture is looking a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit shaky. But that fan base has sat through a lot of losing and a lot of really bad situations like Tavares walking. So obviously winning in some ways is really important to the fans because they've sat through so many terrible games and so many terrible teams. And I think in some ways the Islanders kind of owe it to the fans to also go for it. Partly because where their roster is, they don't really have a choice. They kind of have to go for it or they start the rebuild. And I don't think that they're going to start the rebuild as long as they've got Barzal sitting around. Either way, Pollock extension, technically good news, I guess you could say, because he's not leaving the team yet. But by the same token, the long-term picture is going to be a little bit of a mess to sort out. As far as other decently sized New York teams making free agency extensions, we also have Ryan Strom returning to the Rangers for two years at what should be around $4.5 per season. I like this contract. I feel like it's a perfect short-term deal for a guy who plays a pretty versatile role for that team. I tend to think that Strom has had a little bit of an unfair rap over the past couple of seasons in part because he's been traded around a lot, especially for players I think that are, are maybe on a little bit of a higher level. But as far as Strom is concerned, in some ways he might be a little bit underappreciated now and I feel like this contract is a, a pretty decent raise for him. He gets to stay a Ranger for a couple more seasons. I believe he's then eligible to join Seattle, which seems like the likely outcome here. That contract extension is perfectly termed for Seattle to take him on, and he can join a new NHL franchise while still getting a pretty decent chunk of cash, and it'll be a decent amount of cap space given to the Kraken, but the Kraken won't be getting a useless player for it either. Strom's a really good middle six scoring option, and I feel like whoever he plays for, whether it's the Rangers or the Kraken, I think they'll be pretty happy with him. That more or less wraps up most of the major free agency updates and contract signings, so up next we will take a look at some of our top goal scorers in both hockey and football, but before then I wanted to talk to you about kicking down your daily walls. Every day before work, you probably have a lot of walls standing between you and kicking butt, whether they're physical or mental. That's why I turned to Bilko to break down my daily walls. If you've listened to this podcast before, by now you know that I love the Built Company and especially their entire line of Built Bars. Built Go is the next invention from their team of mad scientists. It comes in convenient one and a half ounce packages that you could put just about anywhere, whether it's your golf bag, your backpack, your briefcase, or even your skydiving suit. It's the perfect pre-workout gel that gives you the same five-hour energy buzz with none of the crash. You can enjoy Built Go in three different flavors including peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. 
Every pouch comes fortified with collagen protein, beta alanine, B3, honey, a little bit of caffeine, B6, and B12. So you have continuous wall busting energy all day, every day. To get started with Bilko, visit Bilko.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, be sure to use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilko.com. Let's go. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping some of our top goal scorers throughout the NHL. And one guy that I'm actually pretty excited to be seeing making his debut in the NHL sometime within this next year or two is going to be Cole Perfetti. I know that he hasn't fully made the Jets yet, but I feel like Perfetti is somebody that I've personally got circled as a really big talent. I think what separates Perfetti from a lot of other players and what most people have described is, you know, they've talked about him in the same vein that they talk about Kucherov. Maybe he's not the fastest, most mobile player, but what he has in spades is hockey IQ. I think for Perfetti, what that means is that he understands at an intimate level space and time in a way that a lot of other players don't, and that allows him to sort of predict where he needs to be, where his linemates are going to be, and how to get the puck to them as efficiently as possible. To some degree, though, I think that maybe underrates a little bit of his actual goal-scoring ability, and he's got a nasty release. Even as like a smaller kid, Perfetti just seems to be able to wrist it really hard, really fast, and really accurately. Because he has such great spatial awareness, he knows where those soft spots and defensive coverages are which allows him to get into those really dangerous areas and it you know often leads to a lot of really great goal scoring opportunities for him if he's actually added muscle mass on top of his current existing frame i feel like he's just going to be an absolute monster once he actually hits the league he might already be a very fearsome sniper especially in the age level that he's playing at but once he hits the pros if he's added that pro ready muscle man i really feel like he's going to be an unholy terror even as a rookie I'm super excited to see him lace up for the Jets, and I feel like his mobility is not really going to be an issue. I don't think that you have to have the world's most elite edge work if your brain functions at a a higher level than everyone else, but it's not like Perfetti hasn't been working on his stride either. By all accounts, he's been spending a lot of time honing his craft and really working on his explosiveness and that first step acceleration, as well as adding additional muscle mass to his upper body. Those things together might make him an early Calder favorite if he's able to translate his skill set to the NHL level. I think it'll take him a little bit more more time than that but obviously I, I think that there's so much ahead of him and for Jets fans to really be excited about he is the future of this franchise I think he's going to be a phenomenal player whether he's a winger or a center and I'm just very excited to see what he does as far as other really talented young goal scorers are concerned I also have to tip my hat to Matt Barzal who I've actually mentioned in this podcast a little bit earlier and Barzal is a very interesting player He was one of the guys that the Bruins had the option of drafting a couple of seasons ago when they had three consecutive first-round picks and they could have taken Kyle Connor and Barzal as part of the package. We all know what Kyle Connor is and isn't, but obviously he would have been a tremendous boost for the Bruins' top six. He has incredible natural, innate goal-scoring ability, and Barzal in some ways takes that skill set and elevates it into an art form. He has many similar tool sets, though I think his individual one-on-one matchup skills are probably not quite in the same way as as refined as Kyle Connors, but Barzal has so many other tool sets that allow him to set up his line mates and himself for prime goal-scoring opportunities. He has ridiculous lateral agility, he's got incredible edge work, he has incredibly gifted vision, he's got great hands, a lot of deception to his game, a lot of speed, 
And he's also just very smart with the puck. I, I think that the decision-making and his ability to make those decisions under a lot of pressure makes Barzal a constant threat. His release is strong and accurate. He's able to find those really soft positions and set up either himself or his linemates for an easy tap-in. He's just a really complete offensive threat. It's hard to find many holes in this game, and I will say that he is such an exciting player to watch because he can effortlessly glide up and down the ice very quickly and get himself into a prime position to match up against a defender one-on-one and deke around them in a beautiful display. In that, he and Connor are a little bit similar because they both have some incredible one-on-one skills, even if Connor maybe, for me, has a little bit of an extra edge just because of his ridiculous physical talents. That said, Barzal is obviously the more complete player and has been an absolute scoring machine over the past couple of seasons. He is absolutely the franchise center of your dreams. You would absolutely adore him if your team had him, and and obviously I think the Bruins are going to be kicking themselves forever that they didn't draft him. Speaking of superstar young centers, Braden Point is another guy that I think a lot of teams are going to wish that they had a a time machine for, because Point, yeah, I mean, he he is definitely Tampa Bay's most complete, most well-rounded, and arguably their best player. I think that what Point does is best described as assaulting space. He has such a dynamic attacking presence where he's really not afraid to cut inside against really talented defensive players and challenge them for that space. You know, he maybe doesn't quite have like the artfulness of a McDavid or a Barzal, but what he has instead is incredible IQ. His edge work from his earlier years has massively improved. He's got a great shot, great passing, excellent hands, great vision, and a relentless drive to score goals. This is a guy who I could see easily at some point being an Art Ross trophy winner. I think obviously he has a bit of an uphill battle because he's not the only Art Ross candidate out there, but you know, I will say that uh, I will say that point is an incredible player. He had a shot at being this year's most valuable Conn Smythe winner, but of course Hedman won that award, and yet I, I really feel like Point deserved it. I mean, this dude is just an offensive force whenever he's on the ice. Even though his tool sets may not be quite on the level of some of the world's most top, top, top players, it doesn't really seem to matter for him because he's able to pull off so many dynamic high-end plays anyways. He's someone who seems like he worked so hard to improve and refine all of his skill sets and tools that were already pretty darn good to begin with, but now are just on another level. And he just seems to dominate every shift that he steps on the ice. He's got really surprising acceleration, his lateral work is very good, and he's an incredibly shifty player, which just makes Point one of the most complete offensive threats in the league. I say this about a lot of top goal scorers throughout this podcast, but I I really feel like Point embodies that because he's comfortable setting his teammates up, he can score really great goals himself, and he just seems like the modern prototype of what you want from a franchise center. Of course, just like hockey, football also has plenty of its own great goal scorers, and we've covered some of the most famous, including guys like Gareth Bale and, and Erling Holland, but there are plenty more to talk about. And in just a little bit, you might hear about a couple of veterans who continue to produce despite being on the older side of 30. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are continuing our review of the world's top goal scorers across multiple sports, and that, of course, includes football. And I thought it'd be time to talk a little bit about some of the older players who maybe don't get as much recognition or guys who were uh, so-called late bloomers. The first older player doesn't really need a whole lot of introduction because he plays for Man City, and of course, everyone seems to know his name, and that is Sergio Aguero. Aguero is, of course, really well known for his uh, title-winning goal. I think it was against QPR when QPR was still in that league. But Aguero, of course, has aged since then. He's in his 30s and and obviously not quite as physically fit as he used to be and, and not quite as prolific either. What makes Sergio such a dangerous and complete striker, especially when he was in his prime, was his combination of incredible spatial awareness 
his ability to make incredibly dangerous runs against backlines no matter who was defending him, and a sturdy, if smaller, frame that had a very stocky build so he was strong despite his stature. Aguero has, you know, even in his older age, continued to be a very productive striker. He's not quite as fast as he used to be, and he definitely doesn't convert on as many chances, but Sergio is an amazing player all the same. He is closer to retirement than he is his prime years, but obviously, I think he can rest assured in his career accomplishments. He's been one of the most consistently dangerous strikers in all of Premier League history. And, you know, again, despite his age, he continues to make really dangerous runs. And I think that his direct style mixed with the predatorial scoring instincts just makes him such a dangerous center forward. Aguero is not the only older striker in the Premier League who maybe has a little bit of a reputation as being a bit hard-nosed, but obviously Jamie Vardy of Lister City, for a variety of reasons, has always been a little bit of a poster boy for troublemaking. When people talk about players that they love to hate, Vardy is probably up there as, as one of the most hated footballers in all of European and world football. Aside from some racist remarks he has made in his past, I mean, you know, he has apologized and said that he's grown from it, but who knows what his personal views on these things are. Either way, Vardy, in terms of his on-pitch performance, remains an absolute bully when it comes to scoring goals. Like Aguero, he's basically built to score goals, and, and I think the way that he does it is a little bit different. He definitely likes doing the same direct runs against back lines, but he has like a very different build. He's like a, a more lean, thinner guy who just loves strong-arming his way between defenders and getting through with incredible pace and acceleration. His production rates are always very good, and he's just such a dangerous striker. It's why he constantly gets special cards in FIFA, because, again, you know, despite his age, he continues to be one of the most productive, direct, attacking strikers in all of football. He may not have that exactly finesse sort of skill set that a lot of, you know, really creative forwards like Mbappe have, but that's never really seemed to hold him back. He's so effective at his particular style of very physical, very intense, very direct football that he continues to rack up goals left and right anyways. In football terms, I think he's a very intelligent striker, and that's probably why he's been able to overcome some of of his other limitations. That he's also a very industrious, hardworking center forward probably doesn't hurt either. Another industrious, hardworking center forward that maybe doesn't get as much recognition, and actually I wasn't aware of until the past couple of seasons, is Mexico's very own Raul Jimenez, and, and Raul is like a very interesting player for me. I hadn't really known that much about Jimenez aside from a couple of starts that he had for the Mexican national team, and at the time he didn't really stick out for me. I, I thought that he was talented, but it didn't really seem like he was consistently putting all of these great performances together. From Benfica, I heard that like his Benfica days were pretty good, a lot of Portuguese football fans seemed to love him or at least the ones that rooted for Benfica, but, you know, when he came to Premier League, it was a totally different experience. I have a hard time talking about Premier League strikers who are as industrious and as hardworking as Raul Jimenez is. He constantly backchecks on almost every defensive counter, he's incredibly involved in build-up play, and I feel like as far as complete center forwards are concerned, Jimenez has to be one of the world's most well-rounded, most effective, two-way attacking strikers. I think that he's really important when you want to transition from defense to offense because you can use him as a central pivot point for whatever wingers or other strikers you have and he also knows when to make those really dangerous offensive runs he's pretty tall he's very strong he seems to have very good spatial awareness and balance and he's a very smart player he knows where those gaps are he'll find them and he often exploits them in, in a system that frankly relies heavily on counters 
and Jimenez has seemingly fit like a glove. This guy just continues to churn out top-end performance after top-end performance. He always seems to record some kind of a contribution on the score sheet, and it's very hard to find games where he's absent. You know, this is a guy who, again, because of his industrious nature, married to a really well-rounded skill set, I think makes him a really complete center forward and somebody who, at some point, another top team will come calling about. Though he hadn't always put everything together in previous years, now that he's with Wolves, he's a really complete, very underrated center forward. I I think somebody from one of the world's top teams is going to be asking about his services before long. He deserves recognition as a world-class player, and even though, you know, all of Mexico has recognized him and most of Portugal seems to know, I think the rest of the world still has yet to fully realize that he's this good. Slowly though, Jimenez's name continues to make the rounds, and I think at some point, he's going to be moving to a club like City or Liverpool, and he'll have earned every single second of pitch time that he gets. With that, that's going to conclude tonight's episode of Goalscorer Reviews. I hope you all have enjoyed the series. We're going to keep it going and probably get a guest on this weekend to talk about maybe their favorite goal scorers. But before you log off tonight, be sure to check out our Locked On National Podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato, as well as all of our Locked On affiliate shows for off-season coverage for all of the NHL's top teams. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!